0: Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. Can you believe that we are getting to the end of summer already? Like, how has this happened? What that means for us is that we are wrapping up our Something's Gotta Give series. And I hope that this has been one for you, that as you are navigating different seasons, as you're going through just uh, this, this is upcoming season in your life, that maybe you can have these messages to go back on. And, and our prayer has been that as you go through this series with us, that you'll recognize those areas of your life that you need to surrender to God so that he can help you be able to live your absolute best life. Last week, Lauren talked about, I give up overthinking, and it was so cool to see the response to that and how many people are like, man, I needed to hear that, I needed to work on that. And so my prayer is that that's what this series has been for you, just that simple reminder consistently of how you can live out what God has called you to do. But today, just being real with you, we're going to be talking about probably an uncomfortable subject, but probably one of the most important ones that we can have. And today, our statement, our big idea is, I give up unhealthy finances. And I know what some of you are thinking, oh no, here we go, the church talking about money. And and I get it, I get why you would think that, I get why you would feel that way. I've sat in some rooms where I'm like, ah, this is just cringy, like what are we doing? No, please don't, Ah, just stop. But here's the deal, it doesn't have to be like that. Churches sometimes do a bad job talking about money, they definitely do. But the reality is that our ultimate example, Jesus, he talked about money more than he talked about heaven. Isn't that pretty crazy? Jesus, this was a big topic for him, yet he never asked anyone for money. He wasn't giving an offering speech. He wasn't consistently asking for money all the time. But he spoke to the importance of it and the role that it plays in our lives. And what Jesus understood about money that many times you and I miss is that it's actually relational. That you and I have a relationship with money. And for some of you, you have a really healthy relationship with money. You know how to keep money in its place. You know how to use it as a resource. It's not driving your life. It's not like this end goal of your life. It's not the thing that wakes you up in the morning, keeps you up at night. Some of you have an incredible relationship with money. And I believe because of that, God blesses your life. But for most of us, we have a pretty unhealthy relationship with money. It's unhealthy because we feel like it's gonna be the solution to almost every one of our problems it it drives us the lack of money drives us crazy when we get more money than we expected it drives us crazy And we have this like this strange broken unhealthy relationship with money and that's actually what we're gonna talk about today we're gonna talk about how we can have a healthier relationship and put money in the place that it's supposed to be you see, for Lauren and I, we got married when we were young. Uh, we were 22, 21 years old when we got married. And so for us, we always kind of had this idea the first couple of years, like, if we can make like $35,000 a year, we'd be swimming in money. I mean, we'd just throw money everywhere you wanna go. Like, we're good, we'll never have to worry about anything. Ever again, like we just got to get a job where we can make thirty-five thousand dollars a month, a year. That that would just be incredible. And then we grew up, and then we had kids, and it was like, oh, wait a minute, wait, we we, we need more than that. That's not gonna be enough. That's not gonna be able to pay for diapers and formula and all the things that come with that. And then we decided we were going to follow the Lord's guiding and move to California. And $35,000 a year, you know, it, it, it helps, but it is not enough. It is not enough. And so that's what's interesting about money. Look at this truth on the screen. The finish line for enough always moves in each season. Have you ever noticed that, like in your marriage and your relationships and the different seasons of your life, like what you think is going to be enough, it always changes. It always moves. It's always progressing. You get to that finish line. You get to that point of like, man. I, I remember one of our first major ministry jobs. I, my starting salary was right at thirty five thousand dollars a year, and we were like, whoa, that's awesome. But then we we had to move to that city and we had to, we bought a house there because we were gonna live there. And then we started having kids and, it, and it's like, what was the finish line? All of a sudden was like, man, we're, we're barely scraping by. Like we're, we're just, we're just making it. We're just paying the bills. Like the bills are getting paid on time, but there's no excess. There's nothing like that. And the finish line consistently moves. And we're going to talk about that here in just a second. But for Lauren and I, we realized this specifically when we, we moved to San Diego. You see, we worked really hard. We sold our house there. We packed up everything. We, we left it all. And because of that season, because of the investment in the house that we had, we were able to like pay off all all of our debt. The only thing that we had left was just our car note. And like we were in such a healthy place. And then when we moved here... We, we were able to make a really good salary at the church that we got hired on. And and honestly, we were making more than we had ever before, but we needed to because we were living in a city that was more expensive than we ever had before. And so we we found out like, okay, well, this finish line moved. Like we're making more money than we ever have before. This is This is really incredible. But somehow, even though we moved here without debt, even though we were making a good salary, at the end of the month, things felt tight, and it felt like, what, what's going on here? What are we missing? And what had happened is that we started to live right at or above our means. We, we started to, to kind of like lean into, oh, we're, we're making more money, so that means we can do this and we can do that, and we can buy Disneyland annual passes, and I don't know if you've ever bought annual passes at Disney World. It's an investment. And so, like, just all of these things that we wanted to do to create memories, and it was awesome, but it, it got us to this place where we were like in this unhealthy rhythm. And even though we were trying to do our best, the credit card numbers started to, to creep up a little bit, and, and then everything changed. And many of you who know our story, our story ended really drastically there, and we had the opportunity to plant a church in San Diego. So at that point, now we, we've got a little bit of money on the on the credit card and we're not making any money because just like starting a business, starting a church from the ground up, man, we, I, I didn't take any semblance of a salary for a really, really long time to try to get the church to a healthy place and invest in the building and get the building back in order so that people could have a, a beautiful place to be and And so we made lots of sacrifices. Lauren was working two and three jobs. It just was this crazy season where we went from making really good money to not making enough money to pay the bills. And like, how did this happen? So we're at this like breaking point and then a car breaks down and then an unexpected medical bill shows up and then a really down month in giving at the church happens. And so the little bit of salary that I was taking, I couldn't even take that much like You guys have been there you've experienced this where it feels like you're in a financial crisis and it's like how did we get here and i say all of that to to just relate with you like the finish line for enough is constantly going to move so if that's what we're just thinking in our life that a healthy relationship with money is that we have enough that's really just a lie because even when you get to that finish line, something's gonna change, and mess it up, and you're gonna need more because there's always a point where it's not enough. What had happened is, you know, we we did an incredible job, and and, and just go on it. We did a great job managing the money for the church, but personally, we had to reevaluate some things and get ourselves to a better place. And thankfully, through the just the grace of God, through. Everything that he did through us intentionally looking at our finances and changing things and making sacrifices and and working hard and and taking extra jobs here and there to to get things paid off. Now the church is in a really healthy place like it's always been, and our family is in a healthy place. But it took a journey for us to get there. And it's an important reminder for us, and I want you to see this on the screen. We must live with a constant understanding that we're one unintentional decision away from heading down a slippery slope. I want you to understand that that like, if you're not intentional with your relationship with money, we're just one decision. One, you know, it's been a long time since we had a new car. We're just one decision away from, oh, well, well, we can do that and and we'll we'll make it up on the backside. We'll just put that on the credit card. And, And before you know it, it's on the credit card. And then an unexpected bill, the car blows up that you just bought from the dealership. Like so many things happen in our lives and we're one unintentional decision away from slipping down into this unhealthy relationship with money. It's so important for us to understand that this is a constant, intentional battle. It's a a constant, intentional relationship. I'll give you one more example, and and then we'll jump into some of the the stuff that I want you to really see that can help you in this scenario. When Lauren and I first got married, uh, I grew up in the restaurant industry, and, and so I wanted some good cooking knives in the kitchen. It's like, we're gonna be cooking at home. We need to get some good knives. So we went to one of those like, you know, one of those places where they like, they promise you a trip if you buy a knife set. It's like, you get three days in Orlando for free if you buy this knife set. Well, we fell for it. We were young, we were dumb. We paid $800 for this knife set. But the problem was, we didn't have $800. So we did their financial plan. you just get yeah, it's it's some interest, but you know it's just it's interest free for six months, and then the rest of the interest will kick in. I'm like sure, no problem, six months we'll definitely pay it off, but we didn't. We just paid the minimum payment, and what we didn't realize is that the interest on it was like twenty five percent every single month after this six month period and i'm I am embarrassed to tell you one. We never took the free trip. Two, that $800 knife set ended up costing us nearly $4,000 when we paid it off. And three, the company went out of business, so the lifetime warranty on it disappeared because the company doesn't exist anymore. It was one of those stupid, unintentional decisions that really ended up hurting us in the end because it was just like, we we need this. We got to have it. And it led us to this really painful lesson that we had to learn financially. So here's the deal. If money is relational, what would happen if our money could talk to us? What would happen if our money could say, hey, let's sit down and have a conversation like that silly Billy video that we watched in the beginning. What would our money say to us? What would our money say if it could talk? the time remaining that we have that's what I want us to talk about because I think there's three ways that we can give up an unhealthy relationship with our finances with our money and I think the first thing that our money would say to us look at this on the screen I can be a means to an end but not an end you've heard that phrase right it's just a means to an end but the issue is is that many times we place money as the end and not as a means to getting there. Ecclesiastes 5 and 10 says this, look at this. So those who love money will never have enough. When you love money, when that's the end, when it's the finish line, when reaching enough is the goal, you will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. Those of you who have money can say amen. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? It's just really important for us to understand that money cannot be the end. It cannot be that driving factor. It can't be the finish line for you. And for so many of us, it is. Man, If it, we say things like, man, if I could just make $60,000 a year, if I could just get that promotion, I can make that kind of money, if I could just do this, if I made this, if I could just pay off that, if I could just do this, then everything would change. And it's like, that ends up being the lie that we buy into. But again, what happens when we reach that mark? what happens when we cross that $35,000 a year threshold then all of a sudden the thought starts to be okay well my lifestyle starts to match up to that 35,000 and then for most of us we try to live above it because we want to just a little bit more so now we need we need 50 and then when you get to 50 you you match your lifestyle up to the, your your bills, your payments, your hobbies all of that gets to that mark and then a little bit well now if i could just get to a hundred thousand, i would never have to worry and then it's just this broken cycle where we think this magic number will be the end the finish line that will solve it all but the truth is money cannot be the end it can only be a means so ask yourself why? Why do you need to make more money? Because that's a far more important question that we need to deal with. Because when we have a legitimate end, maybe for some of you, it's like, I need to make X amount of dollars so that my spouse can stay stay home with the kids and be able to homeschool and be able to blah, 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 whatever it is for your family. like That's a legitimate end. Hey, we we want to get to this certain amount of things uh, of income so that our kids could have a better education and we're able to put them into this school and do it in a way that it doesn't break us financially. Like if I can make X amount of dollars, it would allow me to put my kids in a place that I know that they would be safe and healthy and be able to create greater opportunities for them. That's an end. You know, I, I want to make X amount of dollars so that I can free up some money to be more generous to the people in my life. That I can care for people. That I can meet the needs of others. That's a legitimate end. But I just need to make more money because I need to make more money is not an end that is going to be healthy. It's going to lead you to unhealth. Even the idea of, I just need to make enough money to pay the bills. And listen, we've been there for long stretches of our marriage in different seasons. Like, I just need to make enough money to pay the bills. Even that sometimes can be a dangerous thing because you and I have a really bad habit of the moment we have enough money to meet the bills, we somehow find a new creative way to add more bills to it, right? Okay, well, now that we're there, well, now we can pay that, well, why don't we get a new car? The car's kind of junky and beat up. I mean, what? If, it's just $100 more a month if we got a new one, right? Like, y- you've been there. Well now that we're we're doing this, now I can get that 18th streaming service because what am I gonna do if I can't watch Chip and Joanna on the Magnolia Network? What am I gonna do if I don't spend that extra seven, eight dollars a month on top of the other 12 streaming services that like what am I gonna do if it like now that now that we've gotten to this point, now I can buy that thing on Amazon. Now I can buy that thing here and there, and man, you and I just, when we have an unhealthy relationship with money, we find new creative ways to make more bills. So the idea of, I just need to make enough money to pay the bills, even that can be dangerous because if we don't have a healthy relationship with money, the bills are always gonna keep stacking and adding and and more and more, and you understand what I'm saying. So it's important for us to really sit down and look at this challenge to determine a legitimate Financial goal that can be your end, and that will allow your money to be a means toward it. Allow your money to help you get to that legitimate goal rather than being driven by this ambiguous goal that's going to lead you to an unhealthy relationship with your money. The second thing is this I believe that if your money could talk, your money would say to you, I must be stewarded rather than spent. I must be stewarded rather than being spent. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells this parable, this story of a a master, an owner who leaves his money in the hands of three of his workers. And it's an interesting story of how these three different people responded to what their master had given them. Let's check it out in Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. Again, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it into proportion to their abilities. It's really important. He then left on his trip. The servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who had received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. The story goes on to say that the master came back home and he said, "Hey." What have you done with the money that I gave you? And the the guy with five comes back. He says, Master, look, I I doubled the money that you gave me, and I have ten to present you. And he says, oh, my goodness. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a little, and now I will entrust you with even more. And so the guy that had two bags, he comes before the master. He says, Master, you gave me two bags, and I doubled it, and I turned it into four, And the master, look how he responds in verse 23. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Now, wait a minute. This is an important thing to understand. One guy handed him 10. The other guy handed him four. But the response was exactly the same. Why? because they both stewarded the money that they were given. Well, they both doubled the money. The, the guy who had less didn't sit there and go, I mean, I don't have 10. I didn't bring 10, but like here, here's, I guess this is what I could do with it. No, he said, master, you gave me two. I doubled it. Here's four. And the master responds, yes, thank you. Thank you for being faithful, good and faithful. I, I am well pleased with you. Let's celebrate. You've been faithful with this. I will entrust you with more. And I think it's important for you to understand. Look at this truth on the screen. God is not determining your faithfulness based on how you compare with someone else's gifts or responsibilities. God, who is the master in the story, doesn't look at the guy who had two and turned it into four and go, well, I mean, that's pretty good, but I mean, this guy brought me 10. No. It was given to them to the appropriate amount that they could handle. Hey, this guy could handle the five and do incredibly well with it. This guy could only handle the two, but his faithfulness in those two was equally as valuable to God as it was the one who had five. And I think so many times you and I get ourselves into this bad place because we think, well, I don't have what they have and I don't do what they do. And, I, and it's so much more than even in our money. We do this in our, our gifts and our talents and our opportunities. And God is not asking you to steward what someone else has. God is asking you to steward what he's given you. So some of you feel like, well, I don't have a lot. It doesn't matter. God is saying, hey, will you take what I've given you and steward it well? Will you take it and grow it and do the best that you can with it? And when you're faithful to do that, watch what I will do. I will trust you with more. I will trust you and and you will grow. Do you know what kind of lessons that guy that only had two talents learned? He, he learned some incredible things to learn, to, to double the money, starting with that little bit of money. To start with the two, the two bags of silver and he turned it into four. He learned some incredible lessons. So now that he has four, he knows how to turn it into eight. Now that he has eight, he knows how to turn it into 16. He's learning incredible things that God can entrust him with more. But what happened with the guy that only had one? He did what I feel like many of us do. Well, I don't have enough. I don't have what they have. I don't have that kind of income. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. And we focus on what we don't have. So what did he do? He did nothing. Comes back to the master and he said, I was afraid of messing up. I was afraid of risking the money. I was afraid of doing this. So I just buried it. So here's what you gave me. I did nothing with it. But, I mean, here, I guess you get your money back and you didn't lose anything. And he was kicked out of the kingdom. The point is, God is not asking you to steward what you don't have. God's asking you to be a good steward with what you do have. Here's the deal, I heard it said like this recently, we are managers of our money, not owners. We're managers. The reality is if you and I die today, our money's still gonna be here and someone's gonna have to manage it. Someone, whether it's $10 or whether it's $10 million, someone's gonna manage it. Someone's gonna take it over, it's not just gonna sit there. And so the key question, the challenge for us in this section of what our money would say to us is who are you managing the money for? Are you managing it for you and your current problems? Are you managing it in a way that you're stewarding what God has given you and you're leaning into your purpose, leaning into your calling, leaning into what God wants to do through what he's given you, whether it's a little or whether it's much. Are you stewarding what God has given you? We wrap up with this. The third thing I believe that our money would say to us is this, our relationship works best when we have margin. Our relationship works best when we have margin. Dave Ramsey, he's a Christian financial guru, he says this, you need to act your wage. You need to act your wage. You see, you and I, when we try to live above our means, when we try to keep up with our brother-in-law and our sister-in-law, when we try to keep up with our next-door neighbors, when we turn to debt to make it seem like we're further along in life than we really are, we show our immaturity in being able to handle what God has given us. Is, is there moments where you have to go in debt to buy a house? to, to get? A, yes. yes. The, the point isn't that. The point is this relationship with money where we... We get, hey man, we make $35,000 a year, but we live as if we make 40. So there's there's no margin there, and we're trying to live above what we've been given, and it only leads to a deeper and a darker place with our relationship with money. And so your money would say to you today, hey, we've gotta figure out a way to live with margin. Whatever that line is for you, whatever the amount of money is that you bring in, Figure out how to not only live below it, but create some margin to create some space. Well, how do I do that? There's a million books. Dave Ramsey is an incredible resource for you. We've used a lot of his plans and, and he's intense, but he, he's he got great resources that can help you. Live on a budget. Budget yourself to a, a place where you you get your bills and you set your life to a place where you live off a certain percentage of your money. What does that mean? Don't live at 110% of your income. Try to live at like 85, 80. Maybe for some of you, it just starts by saying, hey, I'm going to live at 95%. And that requires a big sacrifice in your life because you're living above your means. Budget, steward what you have. Create some margin in your life. Eliminate the debt in your life. Have an honest evaluation of where you are with your money. Evaluate where you are. Don't pretend, well, you know, that I know I have a raise coming in six months, but you don't have it now. So you can't live as if you have that. Because if COVID did anything, it proved to us that life can change on a spot. So we can't live waiting for something. We have to live where we actually are to steward what we have well. But the key question, and this is, this is what I really want you to understand as we wrap up today. The key question is, why? Why should we do this? Why should we live with money not being the end, but being the means? Why should we live with this better relationship with money where, where it's not driving everything in our life? Why should we live our life with margin and space in our finances? Why should we do that? because it gives you space to live a generous life. A life where you can be generous with your family. A life where you can be generous to your church. A life where you can be generous to people who are in need that you can, you can come alongside and, and help and make a difference in their life. To be able to, to take that day off of work and not stress about what it's gonna to do to your finances. To be able to take that extra day of vacation, to go on a trip, but sit at home with your kids and catch your breath before you run into work and run into another crazy schedule. To create space in your life for God to speak where you're not driven by the lack of finances that you have, but you're driven by his purpose and his calling on your life. You see an unhealthy relationship with money is Jesus, Jesus says it in Matthew six, he says, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Money is too great of an enemy. It's too great of a relationship in your life. It's such a big part of our life, and if we have an unhealthy relationship with us, it becomes a master which pulls God off the throne of your heart. And when God is not in the place that he needs to be, it brings chaos to every other area of our lives. You live with a healthy relationship with money so that your marriage isn't just intertwined with tension around finances. You live with a healthy relationship with money so that you can take steps of faith to lean into God, to go, God, you're asking me to do this. And you know what? I've created enough space in my life, created enough margin where I'm willing to take this step of faith. And I'm not held back by the master of money because I don't have enough. I'm living above my means. So the idea of stepping out on faith is impossible because I'm stuck in this rat race of a life that is not filled with purpose, it's not filled with joy, it's not filled with peace. It's just filled with recognizing over and over again how I don't have enough. That's not the life that God has called you to. What he's called you to is a life of understanding you have what you need in him. And if you steward what he's given you well, he will open up doors of opportunity for you. If you're faithful in the little, he will entrust you with more. I hope that this helps you today. I hope this is a challenge for you to step into and lean into what God wants to do in this major area of your life. I want you to be able to have a relationship with money that's healthy so that every other relationship in your life is not impacted by this one area, that your marriage, that your family, that your dating life, that all of these areas of your life, your future plans, your future hopes and dreams are not held back by this unhealthy relationship, but they're propelled forward because you have money in the place that it's supposed to be as a means, as a resource to fund what God wants to do in your life rather than this master holding you back from what he wants to do. I hope this helps you today. I hope you lean into this challenge and you choose today what you wanna be devoted to. Do you wanna be devoted to making more money or do you wanna be devoted to the purpose that God has created you with? Let's pray today. Jesus, I know that this is such an uncomfortable topic for many of us. And honestly, for me, God, it's, a, it's an uncomfortable topic to, to preach a message on. But Jesus, you spoke about it so much because you understand that when our relationship with money is out of whack, it it destroys so many things. It can so easily become a master in our lives. And you said it so clearly. We can't serve two masters. So Jesus, give us the boldness, give us the clarity of mind, give us the resources and the, the courage to be able to step out and and make the intentional decisions that we need to in order to find out how to have a healthier relationship with our money we believe that as we go into this new season that as we do that as we become generous with our our resources generous with our time generous with with our money god that you will bless it that you will expand it and increase the little that we have that it will be more than enough and even overflowing so that we can care for the people in our lives that need our help. Jesus, we love you, we thank you. We pray all of this in your name, amen, amen. Hey guys, listen, we cannot wait to see you next Sunday, July 25th. It's gonna be a huge and important day for you to be there with us. It'll be at 5.30 in the evening next Sunday night Vision Sunday, incredible things to come. We've got so many exciting things to share with you, and we hope to see you there. We love you all. Thank you for being on this journey with us. Thank you for trusting us, and thank you for just being excited about this new season in our church. We love you so much. Have an incredible week, and we'll see you soon.